You're listening to Policy Currents, a weekly podcast from the RAND Corporation. I'm Deanna Lee. And I'm Evan Banks. Every Friday, we bring you new insights from RAND's latest research and commentary. It's February 19th. Spending on hospital services is the largest health spending category in the U.S. Hospital spending accounts for one-third of the country's health expenses. In 2018, it totaled $1.2 trillion. Now, there have been a number of strategies proposed to reduce this spending, including government regulation of hospital prices, improving the transparency of hospital pricing, and increasing competition among hospitals. According to a new RAND study, regulation that sets or caps hospital prices for private health plans is likely to achieve greater savings than the other two approaches. Just how much savings? Price regulation could cut costs by an estimated $62 billion to $237 billion annually. That's significantly more than the estimated annual savings provided by improving price transparency or by increasing hospital competition. Although direct price regulation may provide the greatest savings, it also faces the greatest political obstacles of the strategies we examined. Historically, medical providers have strongly opposed price regulation, and our researchers note that it could lead to hospital closures and erode quality of care. This is one reason why it's so important for policymakers to weigh the potential effects of any policy that is aimed at reducing spending. Another RAND study out this week examined a different area of healthcare spending in the U.S., low-value care. A low-value healthcare service is one that offers no net clinical benefit to patients while increasing costs for both patients and payers. And in some cases, these services can even cause harm to patients. Examples of low-value care include prescribing opioids for acute back pain and prescribing antibiotics for upper respiratory infections. Our new study shows that, despite widespread efforts to discourage the use of such services, spending on low-value care among Medicare recipients dropped only marginally from 2014 to 2018. Curbing the use of low-value services among Medicare recipients may be especially important. Given mushrooming budget deficits and the dwindling Medicare trust fund, there will be enormous pressure to find ways to trim spending in the program. To that end, it makes sense to focus on reducing low-value care. The debate between protecting vulnerable people and stopping the spread of the coronavirus might be a false choice. According to a new RAND paper, vaccinating critical workers and other active people who play the largest role in spreading the virus may provide more protection for vulnerable people than vaccinating vulnerable people directly. This approach might also save the most lives overall. On a more controversial note, it could even be beneficial to prioritize vaccinating groups that tend to comply less with social distancing rules, such as college students and other young adults. These groups are not at particularly high risk from COVID-19, but they can pose a huge risk to others if they're not willing or able to comply with disease mitigation measures. The authors of the paper reached this conclusion by creating a realistic network of human contact. This network was based on a data set of 2.2 billion mobile device location points. 
Then they looked at how five different vaccination models would affect the spread of disease within this contact network. The takeaway for health officials? If you want to stop the pandemic quickly, consider prioritizing not the most vulnerable, but rather the most dangerous, those who are most likely to both contract and spread COVID-19. Historically, military coups tend to cluster around elections. In fact, coups and coup attempts are more likely in the immediate aftermath of electoral contests. This was the case in Myanmar last month, when military leaders seized power from the civilian-led government just three months after the country's general election, which was only Myanmar's second contested election in decades. The behavior of Myanmar's generals may appear reckless and defiant, but they may have been motivated by an ironic logic, says Rand's Sean Ziegler. Although Aung San Suu Kyi's election last November was hailed as a landslide victory, it's worth noting that Myanmar's electoral system is a plurality system. This means that the party or leader that receives the most votes is declared the winner. But in plurality systems, even winners with high vote shares might not have a strong popular mandate to rule. And this may have been precisely what the military was counting on. The generals could have been betting that public support for Suu Kyi wouldn't be strong enough to offset the consequences of their decision to tighten the military's grip on Myanmar. Time will tell whether they were right. The FBI has already made more than 100 arrests of individuals connected to last month's deadly attack on the capital, and more arrests are expected. But those who stormed the Capitol were not just known members of radical and violent fringe groups. The attackers also included municipal employees, police officers, and members of the military, some of whom may have had or currently have a national security clearance, and thus access to classified information. If these individuals are never identified and criminally prosecuted for their participation in the attack— then they won't have a criminal record that could be detected as part of a background investigation. Fortunately, according to RAND experts, there are opportunities for the U.S. government to identify these potential security risks and insider threats. How? By focusing on the information applicants provide about their personal associations during the national security clearance process. Questions about personal associations not only focus on an individual's connections to terrorist organizations, but also their personal affiliations with any type of politically motivated organization. Paying even closer attention to applicants' responses to these kinds of questions could help federal officers assess the trustworthiness of current cleared employees and contractors who are continuously vetted, as well as prospective security clearance holders. This could help ensure that U.S. national security is not compromised by those who aligned with radical extremists and violently stormed the Capitol on January 6th. RAND is a nonprofit institution that helps improve policy and decision-making through research and analysis. For more on what we covered this week, check the show notes at rand.org slash podcast. We'll see you next week.